Welcome to Raising Up Cops. I know that we always say this, but we are super excited about today's episode because we have a special guest with us today. That's right. You have may you may have heard some buzz either in your church or on social media about a short film called Abuna. And if you haven't, we're here to tell you all about it with our very special guest, the creator, producer, and star, Andrew. And I didn't ask you if you say it is hot, shock. Like I don't, I didn't even really ask you. All of them. Oh, you just take anything. Depending on the day. <laughs> I, I say Isaac just to make people's lives Isaac. easy. Isaac, oh, I'll see. Well, you Andrew know, Isaac. <laughs> I was going to say, when I was growing up, I said Aisha. Who knows? Oh, I yeah, yeah, know. yeah. I know. That's how the kids do it here, too. Andrew is a professor of communications at Santa Clara University in California. He's a researcher, an author, and a filmmaker. Thank you for joining us today, Andrew. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. We are thrilled to have you. And ever since I heard about your film, Andrew, and then we went and we viewed it, it's been on my mind, it's been something that I think about more often than I ever thought I would, and I really loved it. But I want to go back to the basics because I want to share about the film so much, but I want to introduce you just a little bit better. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and where you got to this point? Sure. Yeah. I, I um, you know, I think it's when we talk about things that are Coptic, sometimes it's like, were you, where were you born? Were you born in Egypt? Were you born here? I, I was born in the United States. Uh, my parents had just moved from Canada. Um, and they just moved from Egypt before that. And so I feel, you know, I grew up in the Bay Area in California. I've always felt um, very American and also very Coptic at the same time. Uh, grew up loving um, sports, uh, especially things like baseball and football. And but also loved loved being part of the church. And, you know, most of my friends were in the church and some were outside. So I've always kind of enjoyed those both sides. Um I have a wife and two kids. My wife, Heather, uh, we met in college. Um, she was not Coptic growing up. She's Methodist. And uh, we met almost 24 years ago. And uh, we have two wonderful children. Their names are Evie and Theo. They're 15 and 11 years old. And uh, yeah, we're back in the Bay Area. We lived in Texas for a while. And um, yeah, I, I love working at Santa Clara. And I love my church. And that's about it. That's awesome. So what possessed you <laughs> to make this film? So just to be clear, I mean, and you can clarify at this point as well, this is, it's a short film, but it's also the pilot episode of potentially future episodes, right? So how did you get, how did you get yeah. the idea? How did you get started on this? Yeah. So for this particular project is about six years ago, I was sitting with my friend, George uh, from church. We just presented at a conference together. And I was um, in 2018, I was trying to make, 52 short films because wow. I wanted to get better at it so that I could use it for my my career. Um, I'm, in a, I'm in a department that's really flexible. It's really nice. I can write academic research or I can present creative work. And that's great because I hate academic writing. I can't stand <laughs> it. Um, it's part of my job, something I have to do, uh, something I th thought I had to do, but I never really enjoyed it. Whereas film is something I've always enjoyed doing. You know, we, we used to make a lot of ridiculous short films when we were kids, um, things where we had you know, stupid Arabic accents or whatever the case is, just doing whatever. Um, and we would do skits at, you know, like church retreats and things like that. And um, I wanted to make film part of my life, uh, part of my career. And so my friend George recommended, he said, hey, why don't you do The Office, but do it like situated in the Coptic church? And I was really intrigued by that because The, the Office is, is such a fun show and the characters are so fun. Yes. Um, my, <laughs> my immediate thought was you can't have... You can't do a show where the uh, the boss is an idiot in the Coptic church. <laughs> That's, I don't know how that would go. 
So I, I thought I'd flip it around. I thought it would make sense to have a priest who's kind of coming in and, and is somewhat uh, humble about what they know, um, as opposed to the, you know, the lead character on the office. And um, to, just to show like, what is the, what is the priest's life like? What is the Coptic church like through, through the priest's eyes? And I was really intrigued by it. And I started interviewing a, a, a priest. I, I interviewed like 11 priests officially for this project, um, but a lot of other people as well. Um, and uh, it went from there. I mean, I, I, I said that I had got the idea six years ago and I've, I've worked on it in parts over the last six years. Uh, COVID kind of slowed things down, you know, in 2020 and 2021, but um, we started filming two and a half years ago and yeah, finished it, finished this first episode uh, last year. You know, I think that's, that's really interesting. Like I, I could see it being like Abuna is Jim and he's like trying to navigate the office, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think what really blew me away, and I, I hope you don't take offense to this, but I didn't know what I was expecting in seeing a film made by a Coptic person. I know that's really sad. Like, I'm used to the films we saw growing up, which were, you know, the same movies. And, you know, it was like, I know it was a long time ago, but I was really blown away by the quality, the writing and the comedy of it, the reality of it, the the videography. I mean, it was really, really well done. And I just... Did you have to learn all of that on the spot or like, how did you get to this point of doing it so well? Thank you. That, that's really nice of you to say. I, I mean, there definitely a lot of people helped out in a way to make it. Um, to, I, I, I keep using the phrase good enough because there are some things I don't love. And then I go, uh, and my wife says, it's not an issue. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to notice that this little thing I'm like, oh, but the, but the raisin brand box was on. Like, eh. <laughs> so there are a lot of people, a lot of people helped out with that. I mean, for me, um, again, this, this thing in 2018 that I did, I was, um, uh, I spent as much time in front of the computer, like trying to learn about all these things as I did, you know, filming and writing. And a lot of it was kind of figuring out what works for me and what my system is and, um, again, what would be good enough? So knowing that if you don't get good audio, it ruins the it ruins the scene. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes the audio I didn't love, but it was good enough. Um, whereas video, you know, it, it really doesn't matter that much. You can find something else to fill in space. You can always refilm something and use that, you know, a close up of somebody's hand. Um, so I appreciate you saying that it um, the quality was probably better than you were expecting. I think that's in part because we have such low expectations for any sort of Coptic media. I mean, yeah. truly like it's at the floor. It's somebody could do something and we go, wow, that's amazing because we have, I don't know. Okay. Maybe okay but I do want to give you some credit. Like I remember, I remember saying the same thing to Andrew and being like, the quality was so good. And then yes. feeling embarrassed, almost like, you know, when, when a minority, like you say, oh, you're so articulate. It kind of yeah, feels yeah, kind right, of like right. that kind of <laughs> comment. But yeah. it is also like, we also do consume a lot of media. So we are not right. just saying like, it's good enough for Coptic people. Like it is okay. good. And I, you know, I remember one of the things I said, Madonna was, um, I forgot they were acting. Like there were moments I yeah. forgot they were acting. I'm like, come on, these are like church volunteers that he like gathered together. And I like started like having like deep feelings about people to the point that like, I think one of the characters is is actually Andrew's uncle. And when I saw him in like a family photo later, I like had a visceral reaction to him. I'd be like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. <laughs> like, that's a character. <laughs> like separate yeah. the man from the, the act. Yeah. 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 No, I mean that's that's okay. That's that's fair. And um everybody in here is volunteer. Um nobody was paid to help out. 
And uh, yeah, my kids were helping. My wife helped a ton. She's my number one assistant. Um, two of my friends helped out a bunch. And uh, two of my non-Coptic friends, by the way, uh, helped out a bunch. And then, you know, my mom and my dad and my uncle are in it. Um, my cousin. And your niece and uh, so many. Yeah, my niece. <laughs> and so um, there's, yeah, we, the I guess we you try to take some shortcuts. So a couple things, you know, one of them was I didn't want to make anybody play a character that that wasn't partially them in some sort of way. So, you know, there's some of me in the, you know, character of the, of Abuna and, you know, my, uh, the best example of somebody playing themselves is a character named Mario who's playing Mario. He's not, he's not acting at all. And he's the funniest character because Mario's just a funny guy. So I, we took some shortcuts to do that, but I appreciate you all saying that. I, I think they did a really good job. Yeah. And I, and I also, again, to echo what Laura said, I don't, I don't mean that it was good enough in the sense that it was, you know, like good for our people. No, I mean, like it was really, really good, like top notch quality. Thank But you. um, I also really love what you were saying about it being good enough, because I think a lot of people that want to pursue something in the creative department, especially maybe it's around across the board, but I relate to the creative side is they get trapped in this cycle or this loop of trying to reach perfection, trying to reach perfection. And it just things never come out because of that. Um, so what would you say to somebody that wants to pursue the creative route and they get trapped in that kind of cycle? That's um, a good question and something I learned. Um, I forget his name. He's um, he's a radio host on NPR, but I forget his name. He talks a lot about something called the gap, which is this idea that when you are creative, that you know that what you're doing is not so good because you've, Mm -hmm. you know, if I paint a picture of something, I'm like, well, I know this is not good because I like art. And so because of that, we tend to not want to put things out. And part of the reason I made a film every week in 2018, and some of them were bad. Like they were not good. And some of them I didn't, I didn't love. And then some that I didn't love, pe other people loved. And some that I thought were the best, people weren't that interested in them. But I just did one every week. So that if I didn't like something, I, I was like, on to the next one. It doesn't matter. You know, it's Wednesday. I put it out. Today. Now it's Wednesday night. I got to start working on the next one. And I, I was working weeks in advance on some of them. But the point is that I was just making a lot of stuff. So if you don't put stuff out and 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 do it regularly, you don't develop the skills to start to know what's better. And then also you can dwell on the one thing you put out. So I can tell you for me, I already, you know, I have this drive of like, I put Abuna out there and I'm already like, what am I doing next? Because if I don't think that way, then um, I, I, in a way I kind of let myself be defined by one particular thing. And I don't, I don't really enjoy that. So I, you have to keep, keep doing stuff. Just do it over and over again. Yeah. So you were quoting Ira Glass, I believe. I um, thank the you. Yes. Thank yes. You. I, I love that. Um, I love that. I want to say passage, but like, I love that part of his talk. Um, <clears throat> and I think it's, I really love that piece of advice about going on to the next thing and not um, obsessing because we're really, really good at that. Just cycling and overthinking like everyone's reactions but it has to be hard because you're also doing all these conversations about abuna at the same time as you're gearing up for the next thing so it yeah you know there has to be some it, it can't be easy i guess what i'm saying yeah it's not i mean it, it's I, it, I i say i'm doing this for my job if i didn't do this i would still have my job right so it doesn't really change so there's a little bit of you know i have to i have to be internally motivated to just keep doing it and mm. i am at times and other times i'm like i think i'm gonna So 
Andrew, I guess another question I have for you, I know that you you have the opportunity through your work to work on creative things, which by the way, is such a dream job. I can't imagine. That's so wonderful. Oh, um, but when you created Abuna and when you're creating these films, what is the message that you're hoping to send or what are you hoping the audience thinks or feels when they see these films? You know, that that's the question I get asked the most. Um, usually um, it comes out as, Andrew, what is your intention? <laughs> and uh, my my answer is that I want to make something that people can relate to something that's it's it's art and, and it sounds somewhat pretentious to say that it's this is just art I'm making a film and there's this idea that you know I, I could I could have some sort of meaning behind it but you as the viewer you're going to take away something from it I could tell you what I want you to take away from it but I just think it's better to let people decide how they feel about it. Um, I don't have an intention of the church should be like this or our culture should be like that. I, I do have feelings about that personally, but the film to me is something where you could watch and I, I would hope that you'd say, this reflects my reality in some sort of way. I've had a lot of priests and a lot of priest wives tell me that and that they relate to it. And that then you would maybe think about some of the things in there, think about issues of culture and um church structure and i i don't i don't mean to say it should be one way or the other what, what do i know about that i'm just one person but i do think that people tend to watch it and say oh yeah i can relate to this and it makes me think about this or it makes me have this question that i'm wondering about i think that's exactly why it's so different from anything else that cops put out because we tend to be um very good at uh overstating a specific message like we yes. really get very very preachy very fast actually that's true of a lot of christian media that there's always like and the takeaway is like as if it's aesop's fables like over and over yes. and over um right. and i think that's one of the things that makes this film so unique is that it's really not trying to make you do anything you like you don't have to walk away and be like oh yes i am now convicted to go read my bible more like that's it's yeah. there's no like um fist shaking bible thumping it, it's just reality captured a moment captured i remember melinda johnson from ancient faith ministries she posted recently about this she she's an author herself and she was saying christians just write like you don't have to you know try to teach a message or do something just produce good work that people are engaged in that they love that's clean that's like it just good writing and don't worry about there being some sort of takeaway or message or something like that. And I thought that was something that we did not ever see or grow up with, just like you said, Laura. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said about what what are you what are you losing when you tell people this is how you should feel about it? Because mm -hmm. I think I mean I think a lot of people would say, I think most people would say, I'm not I'm not affected by that. You tell me how to feel, but I can feel the way that I want to feel. And so there's a lot of things that are explicitly Christian. So let's take um, Christian music, um, you know, broadly defined, like it's something you listen to on K-Love. Um, th there's certainly a place for that. There's also a place for, let's say, a band like Switchfoot or there's a, uh, a, another musician. I went to a band, I went to a concert last month where he struggles with faith and talks about his faith a lot. And to me, I say, well, this is much more relatable to me. And also mm. he's not telling me how to feel. So I'm allowed to sit there and kind of contemplate my, you know, I'm not saying it's my interpretation and I'm going to go in like all sorts of different spiritual directions. It's more that it allows me to reflect a little more on my experience rather than being told exactly 
um, once experienced. The other thing is that it's not particularly for a lot of people, it's not interesting to watch that. You know, they, they watch something that is telling you, and this is the moral and look, he was doing this. And that's why you should, and people go, well, I've heard that story before. I've heard it a million mm -hmm. times. Yeah. And I think, for example, the, some of, I mean, we're not, we're really trying not to give any kind of spoilers overall. Like, I don't know if you've noticed mm -hmm. listeners, but we're not really telling you what's happening in Abuna very much. Um, but Darth Vader is my father. Hmm? Darth Vader is my father. I don't know. <laughs> Did I ruin that? Okay. I was dead the whole time. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> but um, there are some scenes, for example, about a church board. And, you know, there has been some questions of like, will someone watch these scenes and think negative things about the church board in general or like somehow project what's happening here onto other situations? And for me, like, if I were to judge how I felt watching it, I just felt very blessed. I was like, wow, like, look how I remember this, this style of church board from when I was young, but look at our church now and how, like, it, I actually watched that same scene that someone else saw as something like negative or could be taken negatively and just felt like super blessed and like happy and at ease and like laughed a little at like my own path, like a nostalgic comedy moment, you know, and I feel like that's the beauty of not telling them what to feel is that you they actually everyone especially in the coptic community i just had a conversation about this with somebody on the internet but everybody in the coptic community is so diverse like we we think that we are a monolith and we are not at all and i we really we try to like make ourselves this very homogenous bunch we are we are so different like even from state to state we're very very different and so giving people that that kind of like loose garment like that space to I don't know, to feel, to be, yeah. to exist. Yeah. And and you say that we're diverse. Um, I, I've, I've never experienced that more than the last three months where I'm having conversations with people, um, a lot of priests from across the country, some in other countries, and they'll say, oh, this part in particular, I, you know, I, I, I didn't really relate to that. And, uh, and then another, I'll have a conversation the next day where a different priest is like, that scene was exactly I. <laughs> okay, well, so every, yeah, everybody's going to come in with their own set of experiences and, and relate to it in different ways. Um, and, and everybody, you know, this is one of the challenges is that everybody has a different connection to the Coptic church. There are some people who are much more protective and have told me they've, they're frustrated about, well, you're showing that, you know, these people are doing things that's, that are bad. I'm like, okay, I don't speak for all cops. So somebody right. can watch that and say, yeah, that happened in the Coptic church because we're not perfect. And they're not going to think all cops are like that. Just like, exactly. this is just one priest. This is just one priest's wife. Not every priest's wife is like the priest's wife in the in the film. Um, and yeah, we can all take away different things from it and that's okay. I remember the most shocking comment that I heard when you did the showing here in DC is a guy that just moved from Egypt not that long ago. And I remember what he, if I recall correctly, Andrew, if you remember, he said, mm -hmm. I was surprised to see that you wanted to ref that you wanted to reflect specifically the culture in the Coptic church because I felt like this film could be about any church. It could be about the Catholic church. It could be about it's just a, it's just a matter of the the priests not you know in line with the congregation or the congregation having a different feeling than the priest. That could be in any church. And he's a guy with like a thick Arabic accent and you know he did not see it that way as like this was not just about the Coptic church. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I'm here in Santa Clara. We've done some showings, and I have friends who come who are not part of the Coptic Church. Some who are the children of pastors, and and they've said this is they said this right. is my experience. I, I saw what my dad went through and all the challenges he went through, and it's the same thing 
is showing here. I think sometimes we, uh, this is something cops may not want to hear. In a lot of ways that we think we're special, we're not yes. that special. <laughs> Um, and so there are a lot of things. Take it back, Andrew. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> we uh, we tend. I think we tend to think, oh yeah, like we're the only ones who do this, and oh, only in the Coptic Church. Like, no, actually, not. That's not true. <laughs> there are certain things. Yes, that like the kind of like the the window dressing. That's that's yes. Coptic. You know, the foods we might eat or something like that. But you know. I don't know. There's a, to talk to other people who are like if you talk to somebody who's like Filipino or Korean, for example, where religion's a really big part of their like immigrant experience, they'll tell you like share share stories with them. You'll you'll hear the exact same thing from them. I remember somebody sharing um a it was like a reel about a woman making bread, and she was like, "You want to turn some heads? Say your bread recipe is from one particular." um country mm -hmm. and you'll get a bunch of people being like no that belongs to us and that belongs to us that belongs to us and everyone thinks that they're unique in some way yeah so Manana and i we have had this conversation over oh and i have to tell you guys about this okay so Madonna and i have had this conversation over and over again about how we want to encourage um creative careers in the coptic community because we only, we're never going to have a body of high quality creative work if we have no creatives like if we keep turn like putting out that light and I I just got in a conversation like I really thought that we had like evolved past this but I just got in a conversation with a tongue who was talking about how proud she was that all her kids were doctors and how like all cops are doctors and how that's a point of pride and all I could think was like we have we are oversaturated with pharmacists that they can hardly find jobs like yeah we were, like but I you know you can't say anything in that moment like you're just like okay you just have your moment um but we, we wanted as, you know, as a parenting podcast, we wanted to take it back to, you know, how can, can you comfort people about their kids being creative or how can people who are willing encourage their kids on creative paths? Like, do we all have to be doctors or engineers? Like, that's really where we're going with this. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to, um, I, I want to separate two or not separate two things. I maybe bring two things together. Let's bring two things together here. There's there's this idea that you could be creative in your career, and there's the idea that you just be creative, mm. right? There's not they they don't necessarily, it's not the same thing. Um, but we can bring those together and say, I think it's good to encourage people to be creative because we know how important um, art is in general to us. We know how important it is to <clears throat> make things that make us think and make us, you know, reflect and feel different emotions. I think the challenge for a lot of our parents is that you know. If they were in Egypt and they said, "Well, yes, I'm a uh, I'm a podcaster," well, that wouldn't happen in the 1980s. But uh, <laughs> I'm a radio host. Well, they're not moving to the United States. That's not happening. You know, they're only coming to the United States if they are an engineer, um, a doctor, right? There's there's skills that brought them here, right? And so in the Bay Area here in San Francisco, you know, growing up, it felt like, you know, 90% of people were either engineers or doctors. Um, I know like on the East coast, there's a lot of like pharmacists. I know that's really like, you know, in New York and place like that. <laughs> um, but you know, that, that's how you got here. And so, um, in some ways being creative is a luxury as a career in some ways. And I, and I feel like I'm, I'm very thankful that, um, I was put into a position where I could go and, and be a professor. It's, you know, academia, we don't get into it for the money <laughs> much, as I sit here in my windowless office. Um, uh, but, um, we do, you know, we're able to do more flexible things like I'm able to do mm -hmm. in, in my job. So I think the idea that we should just be creative, 
I think is is critical that we encourage our kids to express their interest through music or art or or anything else. It could be like game design, right? There's all sorts of ways to be creative that go beyond just, you know, I'm, I'm painting a picture or singing a song. And right. if we encourage kids to do that, I mean, is there's I, I can cite millions of studies that show how good it is for not only for the individual but also for society. The career path thing is is more challenging, you know, because I, I know a lot of parents and myself included. I have a 15 year old who is an incredible musician and certainly would love to pursue music as a career, but it's hard to say, yeah, go to music school. And then what will you do with that degree if, you know, I don't know, what, what will you do that degree in general? And it might right. not be a, a really, you know, a job with a high salary. Um, so we're encouraging her to, yeah, major in music, but maybe not in a music school. Um, maybe that's where you go. But we're, we don't want to say don't do music because um, she has a gift from God and to like, to, to push that down and say, no, but you got to be an accountant seems like, you know, if we have the means to not do it, it seems like a, the wrong thing to do. But I'm speaking as somebody who, again, I, I feel that I, I'm thankful that I have the luxury to be creative. I think there are a lot of parents out there who feel like, no, I got to make sure my child has a really high paying job and creative jobs generally aren't high paying. I love this uh, this practical discussion about it because the truth is, there are, yeah, practical ramifications of pursuing a career that's not as defined, which is like the creative career. But it's also interesting because we're in this place now where um, social media is money from creative stuff yeah. right now, yeah. right? Like you've got these TikTokers that are millionaires and you've got, you know, these YouTubers that this is like their, they quit their jobs and this is their main source of income. We have somebody in our church who quit his job because he was making that much money yeah. off of his Instagram account. Yeah. Um, and he's doing very well. And it's yeah. interesting to me because that's where we're moving to. Um, and we, I always worry that we do this thing where we swing the pendulum too far the other way, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I like what you're saying that you want to marry the two together, like, you know, the career with the, the creative and understanding that you need to have a plan both ways, the creative path and the um, I don't know the word, but the more predictable path, I guess. <laughs> uh, oh, what's the word when you make more money? I don't know. <laughs> more like uh, the cure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, the yeah. word we're looking for. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, the thing that I, sometimes bothers me is that people, if you have a creative thing that you do, people say, oh, yeah, you need a side hustle. You turn into a side hustle. I'm like, you don't have to make money baking. If you yeah. like baking and bake, now it doesn't mean you shouldn't make money or can't make money. Or if you make money, you're like a sellout. I met a woman in um, in the Manhattan church who was saying, we were talking about creativity. And by the way, that was a really interesting experience because during the q and I, I I said, you know, raise your hand if you do creative things. Um, and 10 hands went up out of 200 people. And it was, you know, I, that was the moment where people kind of looked around and said, this is interesting that like, we're not, look, we are creative. There are some stand-up comedians there. There are people who are writers, but they're not, we're not encouraged to do it very much. So but did you, I think were just, you asking about careers? Because I feel like, I mean, all those women no. have to have like a knitting, sewing hobby, right? Like, yeah. And maybe some people don't look at those things as creative. I don't know. Right. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. That, that, that's possible. That's what it is. Um, I just think it's interesting that we, um, you know, we don't really recognize how, how valuable it is. Um, I, I think, cause I just, I don't know. Did your parents talk about being creative? Cause my parents did, they supported the film stuff, but it wasn't like, 
you should do creative stuff regularly. It, it, they, I don't say they tolerated it, but I don't know. Were your parents like that? So my parents were very creative oriented. My my mom is um, an architect. So okay. like from a young age, she was like, we were building dollhouse furniture together. If we were doing a project for school, you better bet it was like to scale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like very, okay. um, dad taught me to color correctly. He, it was more of his perfectionism side, but um, yeah. I think we did in our family, we have a lot of creative um, pursuits. Clearly, I mean, none of none of my sisters are doctors and we all pursue mm. second, like we're, you know, like I've got an engineer, an architect, but like all of us also pursue secondary hobbies that are very, very creative. I don't know about Madonna. I've said this on the podcast before. I grew up with the concept of you were either smart or you were creative. They were mm, not the same yeah. thing, right? <laughs> like you cannot be a smart creative or a creative smart. No, it was yeah. this or that. And I think it really comes down from um, the way that Egypt used to do the deciding factor of which school you were allowed to mm. go to. Like if you yeah. got top notch grades. Still, still does. I don't yes. think they changed. Yeah. You're right. You're right. They still do. But like if you got the highest score, then you were allowed to go into the medical field and you were allowed to go into engineering. If you got the second tier, then you went to uh, which is like the business? You got to, business, whatever, or you got to do, you got to be a teacher. You got yeah. to do the creative stuff. You know, that's the yeah. thing that you got to do. And it was always the, it's because you didn't do well enough. So you got to do those things. And so I don't, I obviously don't blame my parents. I mean, that's what they grew up with. That's how they associated with. But what I try to be very careful of now, especially when I talk to my kids is recognizing that it's so smart to be able to use, like to have words in your head and write them in a really beautiful way. Like that is very smart. Being able to see a picture and have it out on paper is very smart. Um, I can see how maybe like, you need to be able to make it something lucrative because <laughs> there's mm -hmm. a practical side of a, you need to live and exist so you can't just be creative and then it goes nowhere. But um, definitely I did not grow up with this concept that I could be creative and it would be enough. And, and can, can I tie a couple things together here? We're, we talked earlier about this idea of, you know, trying to be creative and sometimes there's this gap of, you know, I, I, I know what good art looks like, but I'm not making good art, at least not yet. Um, I think as parents, when sometimes when we see our kids be creative, I know for my daughter, she's done things that, you know, she wrote, a, she went to a songwriting camp and she wrote a song and, you know, and I've told her this before. So when she listens to this, she'll know, I, I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't like the song very much. It's not very good. But for me to kind of get in the way and say, well, no, don't do it like this. You should be creative like this. By me putting unnecessary constraints on her, I think that sometimes would dampens people's fire. And so um, I'm speaking very generally here. I'm not speaking about one thing in particular or, or my experience necessarily, but I think sometimes when it comes to creative stuff within the church, we do that. We dampen. I've seen, and this is actually a, a plot line in a future episode. I've seen people in our church try to do things and they just, and they've been told, no, you can't do it that way. You can't do a retreat that way. It has to be more, it has to be done this way. And they lose their fire for it. And it's good to learn how to work within constraints. Like that's a, that's a, that's a skill because you know, you, you know, you can't do everything exactly the way you want to, but I've certainly seen people take creative efforts in our church when people have said, no, it has to be done a different way. Um, I'm not saying that again, everything should be allowed, but I'm saying that there's something to be said for sometimes giving people the freedom to be creative in the way that they want to.
I love that. And there's always somebody that says, <clears throat> I have an idea to do this. And then a person will say to them, here's all the problems you're going to have yes. with doing this. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I really feel like we're, you know, we, the, the message to people needs to be like, sometimes people forget what the end goal is mm -hmm. and they're so obsessed with getting the, someone's path. Correct. Like, like, for example, last night I was talking to people about growing their relationship with God. And one of the women asked me, you know, like I start a good habit and then I lose it. Um, or like, I, I don't, you know, I like taper off a few months later and then I start something new. Like, is that a problem? And I was telling her, no, because the goal isn't to establish this habit. The goal is to grow your relationship with God. And I think a lot of times in the service, we lose sight of that. Like in Sunday school, we lose sight of the fact that the goal is to connect the kids with Christ. The goal is not to get through the piece of paper that's in front of you, right? So the idea that like, when you know what your actual objective is, then you can be more creative to get there, right? And allow for more creativity in how you get to that end result, but when you're obsessed with the path being exactly right, I have to read all the words on this page. That's what Sunday school is. Yeah. Then you, then you've you've lost. You've already lost. Yeah. So yeah. Andrew, did people when you they heard that you were making this film? Did you experience a lot of people telling you like you don't need to do this? And oh, so many. <laughs> okay. So many people. I mean, I, I I there are people in my life. Um, you know, my brother's very. Um, he's very much like the what's the word he he's he he says okay so why do you want to do this and uh what about this have you thought about this aspect like so he's always kind of telling me i'm not saying he said don't do it i'm, I'm more saying that he, he's the analytical yeah it's very analytical yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it, and it wasn't just him there are a lot of people who are like oh you're gonna ruffle some feathers and there's some people who didn't want to be in it um and there are some people who uh said they would be in it and then and then chose not to be in it and i, and I think part be, partially because they were worried about how it might be perceived and um I, I understand that. And I'm not, I don't, I wouldn't blame them because I, yeah, they're right. There are ways it's going to be perceived. And you kind of, I think you have to be a little bit, you have to not care a little bit about that. And um, yeah, I think a lot of, I mean, there are a lot of ideas that I had that I've run by people and they've said, don't, no, don't do that. People, people who are, who have been very encouraging, but they've said, ah, I wouldn't do that part of it. And I go, okay, I understand why. I don't think what I'm doing is it's, it's not wrong necessarily, but I kind of pull back on those things. So I, again, I, I think it is good to have people tell you, um, not to discourage you, but to have people say, hey, think about this as a guardrail or think about that because I, I because constraints do make you more creative. Um, but certainly in our church, I've, I've noticed that there's a lot of questions. It's, mm -hmm. it's actually, um, this isn't exactly what you're asking, but I, I just want to mention that there's a lot of like, um, you're, either with, you're either with us or against us mentality in that. Mm -hmm. When I when I was telling people what I'm doing, they're like, so so what? So you're doing an expose, or what? What are you like? It's either I'm doing something that's bad, or it's like promoting the church, and yeah. so it's kind of like in between of like, no, it's just like about the church. That's where I found the most interesting conversations to be, or I should say, I was inter most interested in that. That people felt like either you're either you do something that is promoting the Coptic Church, or I don't know what you're doing. Like right, something's wrong with what you're doing. And I, I know that I had that feeling at the beginning too, where I was like, I watched one of the trailers and I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. And I'm always very skeptical and always very slow to like, like things or trust things in general. So it's, it's not a, it's not personal, but um, 
But then when I actually, when Andrew invited me to actually watch the actual film, I, I had a completely different experience. And I think, I think the fact is that that's how, that's how, let's say like the social media scene feels. There are some people that are very hostile to us and, or to the church, let's say. And then there are some people who are like rah, rah, like cheerleaders. And it feels like those are the only two kinds of media that are being put out anyway. So people are looking for a bucket to put you in. And I think, I think it's like, are you a safe space for us as believers or are we at the end of this, are you going to be telling us like, we need to go through a deconstruction phase? So, so that what they yeah. call it? <laughs> yes. Well, by the way, that's, this is not, this is part of our, our own making too, as a church. I mean, we, we, I mean, the, the basic tenets of Christianity are, you know, there's heaven and there's hell, right? I mean, it, it's, it's one or the other. And so I think there's a lot of stuff in our church where we're like, you know, if somebody comes into the church, we're like, are you here to, to see the church and convert? Or are you here to, you know, do something crazy? It's like, there's no, just, I'm just curious about what the church is. I'm just here to look. Um, we, we do create this kind of dichotomy quite a bit. And I don't know. I think the, the, the thing I keep coming back to is that the more it's, it's good for us to have more media, the more things we see, even if it's something that I don't agree with and something that, uh, you know, I, says something about the church I don't like. It's okay for me to see that and then have a conversation about it and say, well, let's talk about why I don't think that's true. Um, I think that's okay. You you said something earlier, Andrew, when you were saying that some people told you not to do certain things, yeah. but it was people, you accepted that from people that you said were encouraging you generally. And so one thing that we say is, um, we've said on this podcast before, it matters who you are, if like, it's okay to say that you don't like something in the church or in the community or whatever, but you can't be one of those people who are a naysayer about everything and then expect that your criticism is going to be taken as valid criticism, right? It makes a big difference. So right. I do think that it matters where your heart is and who you are and, and how you're saying that. But I also think it's very good for us to experience negative reactions and hear because sometimes we're blinded by what we see. We have our own experience and we see things a certain way and you don't even realize that somebody else is experiencing the exact opposite of you until they say it. Yeah, yeah. One of my best friends, I asked him to come over and watch a scene, to watch a couple scenes and he watched them and he looked at me and he goes, uh, okay, um, I'm a little worried about this one scene. And I was like, why? And so I'm just giving you full disclosure here. We filmed... In the middle of July, 2022, it was like a hundred degrees. It was so hot, not like Florida hot, but you know, it was, it was hot. And, um, the Dina playing my wife was wearing a tank top and shorts. And he said, I just, the way it looks and the, the angles you film from, I think some people might find it inappropriate if wife is wearing that. And, and we had conversations about it afterwards. I talked with Dina and she's like, that's true. But it's also like, that's what a priest's wife, what they would wear at home in their backyard. And it was kind of like, we had conversations about, should we show what might be real, but also might make some people feel uncomfortable or give them like ammunition to say, I don't yeah. like this. Um, and then, so we ended up refilming it about four months later. Um, ironically, we filmed it in Joe and Dina's backyard after, like, it was so cold that time. So we're actually in the backyard with a fire pit and like wearing jackets and blankets because we're like, it's now too cold, but we refilmed it because, you know, part of it was a, a, a trusted friend saying, 
people might interpret this the wrong way. So if you, you know, if you can clear it up, that can be helpful moving forward with the message, right? Because he, he, he kept saying, he's really good about this. He's like, I don't want anything to detract from the concept of the film rather, you know, like then, then picking on like what the clothes they were wearing. And if you're a listener and you haven't seen Abuna yet, it hasn't come to your area or you're still waiting for the big release, which we'll talk about um, in a little bit. Um, I just want to say that Andrew was very gentle with us and very gentle with the church. Um, I think that uh, there are a lot of things that I could talk about that I'm very angry about <laughs> that Andrew does not touch on. Like Andrew is a very, um, and I think that's, that's where I see this headed. Like, I think if Andrew, you can build the trust with the people uh, and with each episode, you can accustom us to being, being willing to at least to look at ourselves with honest eyes that eventually there may be some things where we're going to have bigger conversations about it. And I think that that's, that's so needed. I mean, and I, I, I know that like we, we need to be boiled slowly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. Well, there are things in here that I just, that, that I felt like were just real. So they're honest. So I put them in and then people said, Oh, you're criticizing the church. I'm like, no, I was literally just putting the thing that you do. Yeah. No, it wasn't criticism. It was, you, you know, you're telling on yourself if you think that what I put in there. So yeah, but Laura, I appreciate that. I think that's a fair and very kind thing of you to say. Well, I hope that we've gotten everyone super curious and wanting to see this film like as soon as possible. So Andrew, tell us when and where can they see this beautiful Abuna film? Oh, thank you for asking. So we did a bunch of showings in uh, the fall and we're doing some more in the winter and spring. So uh, I'm going to, um, once everything's finalized, I'll, I'll post it online. I'm going to go through um, parts of the Midwest. So like uh, Detroit and Cleveland. We'll be doing some more showings in California. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, challenging at times because if a, um, if we don't get the okay from the diocese, then the film, I have to do it independently. I have to do it outside mm -hmm. of church structure, which makes it a lot more challenging. So setting those up can be a little bit more work, which is why there are some places where people have asked me to, to, to come, but without the support of a church, it's kind of hard to do. So um, if I'm not coming to your area, um, then in early May after Easter, um, I'll be uh, putting it online and I hope everybody has a chance to see it. Um, I'll have, I'll have more details for you soon. Um, I'm not trying to like promote myself, but just if you want a place to find you should it. should promote on, yourself. Uh, Go well, for it. <laughs> on YouTube, it's Andrew I-S-H-A-K. Same thing on Instagram. And I will post it in both of those places. Or you can go to Andrew I-S-H-A-K.com. There are a bunch of links there that'll point to the right places when, when things are available. I'm having a hard time waiting to see it again, to be honest with you. <laughs> Go ahead, Laura. I was going to say, um, Madonna had said at the top of this conversation that she's surprised how often she thinks of this film. And I would say I have to echo that now that we've come to the end of the conversation, that so often I am quoting it or um, referencing it or telling Abuna like, oh, we should really show this person this film. I haven't shown it to anybody else yet because we're waiting for the release, but um, just it, it comes up a lot. It comes up a lot. Oh, that's good. That's a good thing, I think. It is. It is. Um, Andrew, we want to thank you so much for taking time out. And for those who don't know, he had to wake up super early on his side of the country in order to join us at this hour. It was great. It was great. <laughs>
I love Thank it. you so much, Andrew, for creating the film, for pursuing creative things and for joining us and talking about it. And we thank you, all of you, for joining us at Raising Up Cops. And um, you can find us anywhere you find podcasts. Raising Up Cops is a production of Coptic Dad and Mom. This podcast is hosted by Laura Michael and Madonna Lawindi. None of the views expressed during this recording are the official stance of the Coptic Orthodox Church or its hierarchy. These are our personal opinions, collected experiences, and organic discussions on selected topics. If you'd like to reach out with any questions or comments, you can reach us at raisingupcops at gmail.com.